something that you're probably not going to hear too many places. I'm going to talk a little bit about witchcraft, the stings of witchcraft. Listen, God put on my heart to do this series called Seductions of Satan. And it's really strongly been on my heart. And I feel in my heart as I am ministering this that the Lord is, is literally... One of the visions that came to me as we were praying about this was that there were people. They were sitting there and they were encased in cement. And there was like a chisel that was over them. And as I was preaching and preaching, it was like that chisel was breaking that off them. And that, that's what I feel this series is about. Look, as a pastor... My heart is to see people free. It grieves my heart to see people walking in any type of defeat, especially over a long period of time, because that is not what Jesus paid for. Amen. It's not. He wants us to move into freedom. But a lot of times there's keys to our freedom, and there's areas where we need a breakthrough. And that's what this series is about, to help people get breakthroughs. I'm just going to jump into this. I'm dealing with seductions of Satan, part 7. And it's talking about the stings of witchcraft. And as I go, some of this is going to make sense to you. I gave you a copy of some blessings and I gave you a CD tonight just for those that are here present. So that you can have. It's going to be about the glory. But anyway, I'll get into that later. Listen, a lot of times the reason why people have physical health problems, it's not always the case. It's not. You know, just because you, you're around somebody that's sick and you catch a cold, okay, you know, that happens. But I'm talking about a lot of times the reason why there's health problems in people's bodies, though, is because there's an area that they have yielded to the enemy. There's a story of a pastor that told me that he was praying with somebody that had prostate cancer. I've shared this. I'm going to share it again. And as the pastor was praying for me, I asked him if he had any problems with lust and sexual sin. And the guy admitted that he did and that he had been involved in different things like pornography and all that. As he repented and the pastor prayed with him, you know that that cancer left him? But see, he had opened himself up to something. And I know other stories. I'm going to tell you, there's sometimes that people have health problems in their mouth. I know of an individual that has had a, he's had a, um, a quite a mouth about him and liked to talk about people. And say things he shouldn't be saying. And he had a lot of dental problems. Are you hearing me? Don't be surprised if your mouth isn't where it needs to be. If you don't have problems in that part of your anatomy. Your lungs, your throat, your mouth. Maybe people that have sin. And they've yielded the members of their body in different ways. They've yielded it to sin. And then it's contracted some kind of a physical problem. That's why in the book of James... It says, if anyone's sick among you, let him call on the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, the anointing with oil has to do with consecration or being set apart and sanctified. Are you hearing me? And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up if they have sinned. If. It doesn't mean that they always have. But if they have, they will be forgiven. Now look at Romans 6.13. Do not offer your parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been uh, brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. So see, when we yield something to the devil, there's consequences and sometimes it can result in health problems or it can result in a lot of other bondages. Amen? And the Lord wants us to be free. And when somebody really truly repents, see, the problem with a lot of people is, is that it takes them forever to repent. God has to keep dealing with them over and over and over, I guess because they're stubborn. Everybody say stubborn. stubborn. 
Hard-headed. Okay. That's not how I want to be. I don't want to be somebody like for two years God has to keep on and on and on, you know, speaking to me over and over and over and over before I decide one day I'm finally going to repent. Amen? I want to be somebody the Lord can speak to once and just say, hey, get this out of your life and I'm going to get it out. And repent right there. But some people, they, they have something about them that's maybe a rebellious streak or it's a pride or it's a stubbornness. I don't know. Or maybe they just like the attention. I don't know. But I've known people over the years that it takes them forever to repent of something. They just keep on and on. And the Lord finally has to break it in them, but it takes a long time. Oh, it's quiet. This is good preaching. See, the thing is, good preaching is like medicine. It don't always taste... Hey, you know, I like this. Listen, remember this saying. I would rather choke on the truth as it goes down than I would to swallow a lie. Amen? The book of Proverbs talks about the rebuke of a friend. Amen? All right, so I'm going to give you some things here tonight about witchcraft. This is what the Lord has me dealing with. I'm going to give you the Bible definition of witchcraft. If you look in Webster's or something, you're going to get some silly definition that's shallow at best. Okay, so I'm going to give you the Bible. I kind of wrote this. Okay, Y'all are going to look impressed here in a moment when we read over this. I made, I made this. I created this, okay? I even put the A, B, and C. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Here we go. You ready? All right. The first part of this definition right here about witchcraft. Seriously, this is the truth. This is what the Bible says. It is exerting control over others through manipulation, intimidation, or domination. Exerting control. This can be done through manipulating others as in seducing another person, or it can be accomplished by intimidating another, scaring them, to do what you want them to do. And that's witchcraft of the flesh, Galatians 5.19. Sometimes being around certain people, you can feel it. There's just a manipulation. They want to manipulate you into doing what they want you to do. Or intimidate you where you feel like you're on eggshells when you're around them, like any little thing. You know, it's intimidation. Letter B. To manipulate and control the mind of another against their will. Example in the Bible, soul hunting in Ezekiel 13, 13 through 16. As to manipulate and control the mind of another against their will. This can be accomplished through the dark arts used to control somebody through witchcraft mind control and the use of demonic powers through various forms of conjuring or calling down spirits through, through rituals. And that's Revelation 21.8 when it talks about the dark arts. Letter C. A witch and her craft. As in the statement that Paul made when he said in Galatians 3.1, Who has bewitched you? Now to defeat witchcraft, we need a mighty anointing of the Holy Spirit as the Lord comes as the Spirit of Elijah. Amen. We need the mighty anointing of the Holy Spirit as the Lord comes as the Spirit of Elijah. 
There's going to be three great enemies in these last days that all of us are going to face. One of them will be in the area of witchcraft. Another one will be in the area of racism. And the other one will be in the area of religion. We're going to deal with some of this stuff tonight. Are you all ready? Because I'm serious. This is going to be a little different tonight. I'm going to ask people here in a moment to stand and help me. And we're going to break some stuff, okay? But in Revelation 18.23, it talks about the whore of Babylon. It says, by your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. Did you see that? By the magic spell, all the nations were led astray. All the nations. That's, that's everybody. There, there's, a, there's a move in these last days about these things. Let me tell you something about racism. Nobody better ever come to me and say that they're a Christian, but they're also a racist. Because I will tell them to their face that they are a hypocrite, that they're not saved, they don't know the Jesus I know, and I doubt very seriously I'll see them in heaven. Okay? Racism is straight from the pit of hell. Amen. Alright, now dead religion, I'm not going to preach on tonight, but dead religion, religion is formalities. A religious spirit is so oppressive, it is formalities. You see it with the Pharisees. They were very legalistic, very religious people. But you know what Jesus said about the Pharisees? Listen, he said, woe to you, Pharisees. You travel land and sea to win a single convert and then make them twice the son of hell that you are. That's what he said about the Pharisees. The religious spirit is a very, very damnable, a very dangerous spirit. And I'm not going to preach on it tonight, but I will deal with it in this series. But I'm dealing with a spirit of witchcraft. And people call that a Jezebel spirit. You can also call it a rebellious spirit. But a spirit of witchcraft seeks control. I'm mainly dealing with that aspect tonight about the witchcraft part. I'll deal with the Jezebel spirit along with others later. But I want to break down some things about the dark arts. Man, I feel a mighty anointing here tonight. I really do strong break down the, the dark arts here we go Deuteronomy 18 verse 9 when you enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you do not learn to imitate the detestable practices of the nations there when Israel was going into Canaan that whole strip of land was filled with different people groups that worshipped Satan and worshipped demonic spirits in various ways they practiced human sacrifice they, they practiced all forms of witchcraft and dark arts. They would, they would sacrifice their children to these demon gods. <clears throat> so whenever God told the children of Israel to go in there, He said, you make sure when you go in there that none of you sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire or practices divination. I'm going to explain divination. Or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells. Or one who is a medium or a spiritist or consults the dead. Anyone that does these things is detestable to the Lord. Everybody say detestable. He said anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. So God hates these things. The word detestable can be abomination, and there's not a lot of things that God says is, is an abomination, but he said these things are an abomination. That means he hates them with a passion. Okay? So let's break them down. The first one is witchcraft. 
Witchcraft, in essence, like I read, is controlling other people, but when you deal with the dark arts, it is the power branch of the occult. Those of you that are called into any type of ministry whatsoever, I'm telling you that to some degree you're going to face it in other people. You're either going to face it in a Christian person that comes to church that has not conquered that in their life and they're susceptible there, or you're going to face it in, in the dark arts where people are targeting you. A lot of that's done in secret, but I'm telling you, it's there. It's there. If you're some dead, wimpy church that's not doing anything for God, you may not face much of it. But if you're going to see a move for the Holy Ghost, you're going to see souls saved, you're going to get outside the four walls and start winning souls, and you're going to be in here moving in the power of God, driving out demons and seeing people healed, and you're doing what Jesus did, Acts, Acts, uh, I'm sorry, Book of Acts, Christianity, I'm telling you, you're going to face this on some level. Remember, during all the different revivals that I've read about, going all the way back to Azusa Street, Satan would send these type of people. How many times I've heard at major revivals, they'd, they'd have to go through there and, and cut up some voodoo doll that some witches came and made, or they had to, they had to clean up some animal sacrifice outside that they had done on the porch. Heard it over and over and over. Now, it would be incredibly naive and foolish to think that there's no power in it and that it's just wimpy and that there's nothing to it. There's something to it. But how many knows greater is he that's in us? Amen. In Luke ten nineteen, we have authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm us. So, in other words, don't act like it's nothing because there is something there. But defeat it. Destroy it. Break its power and drive it back. I'm going to tell you, it is highly unscriptural to be afraid of the enemy. Amen. It's highly unscriptural. Paul told Timothy, he said, listen, stir up what's in you through the laying on of hands, and God has not given us a spirit of fear. The reason why a lot of times people are afraid, you know, you start talking about these things, and they get the reason why they have a problem with it a lot of times is because they're scared. And it's like the children of Israel that were looking at Goliath, and they were all scared. It took somebody that had a mighty anointing on them David had a mighty anointing to rise up and defeat Goliath. It takes the anointing to come against this type of thing and defeat it. You know what about David I love? All the other guys that were older than him, bigger than him, stronger than him, they were literally shaking in fear. And David, it said that he got up and he ran at Goliath. He didn't just stand there. He ran at him and took him. Witchcraft is the power branch of the occult because... These people have learned how to cooperate with demon spirits and send those things against people. They've learned how to use curses and spells, incantations, rituals, conjuring, and sacrifices to do that. Divination is the knowledge branch of the occult. Divination has to do with psychics, psychic abilities, fortune telling, uh, interpreting omens in any form of scrying, which is reading, reading tea leaves, palms, those type of things. But you've got to understand, this isn't a big mystery. How did the witch know that Uncle Charlie had a red beard? You know, How did she know that so-and-so had a wart burned off their finger last year? You know, it's not a big mystery because they talk to demons. It's not a big mystery. But I don't want to talk to demons. And I'm going to tell you something. Everybody within the sound of my voice, anybody that ever hears this, if you get mixed up in this stuff, it's a spider's web. It will pull that person in and it will kill them. 
spiritually speaking, it will kill them and then send them to hell when it's done with them. And I'm just saying that, that everybody listen to me, you've been warned. If you play with it, I'm telling you, it'll destroy you and end up sending you to hell. So run away from this stuff, get away from it, but, but defeat it and destroy it in other people's lives. When people get into this stuff, there's curses that come on them in their spirits that enter their lives. And as Christians, we have the authority now to bring them to the blood of Jesus and break those curses off their life and drive those spirits out and set them free. Amen? So witchcraft's the power branch. Divination is the knowledge branch. Sorcery is the material branch. What you see a lot of times is you'll see people have different types of amulets, talismans, charms, idols, different material objects that are supposed to bring them luck, power, fortune, wealth, protection from their enemies, whatever. They wear them, they carry them, they use them, and there's a power about it that's sorcery. And God hates these things. But I don't want you ignorant about them. Because we're in the last days and this stuff is in people's lives. And I want you, just like me, I want you to be able to see people set free. Amen? So here's some things about witchcraft and divination and sorcery now. Number one, idolatry. This is all connected to the occult. But idolatry is a big one. Idolatry is anything that is more important than God. It's too important. It's something that's worshipped. It's something that's prayed to. It's something that's trusted in more than God. People make idols about all kinds of things. They make their paycheck an idol. They make their spouse an idol. They make wanting a spouse an idol. They make whatever an idol. And that it's a God to them. And if God ever deals with them to get rid of it, get it out of their life, they, they can't do it because they have... See, idols steal your affections. They steal your desires. You get this unhealthy focus on it. It's got your affections. It's got your desires. And you're locked into that. And the Lord is a jealous God. And idolatry is very dangerous because it corrupts the person. And it produces iniquity in the person. And when I'm dealing now with literal idols, people that go to pagan temples and they offer sacrifices and they worship demon gods, okay, literal idols, what you got to understand is, is 1 Corinthians 10.20 says that they're worshiping demons. It says that. They are worshiping demons. So you say, well, wait a second, I saw them bow before the big golden Buddha. So how are they worshiping? you got to understand, there's a principality behind Buddhism. And these Buddhist monks and stuff, they drill holes in the back of these idols so the spirits will come in and talk to them. It's demonic. They're worshiping demons. They're praying to demons. And so any type of idolatry has got to go let the Lord cleanse that out because that's very serious. And the Lord is a jealous God and He will not put up with any idolatry in any of us. Amen? Anything that, A lot of times people trust in something more than God. You see what I'm saying? They trust in their 401k. They trust in their insurance. They trust in their, their paycheck. You've got to be careful about these things. Because God wants you that He's number one. He's the one that's got all your affections, all your desires on Him. All your worships to Him. And you fully trust Him. He's your provider. See, the Baal worship of the Old Testament was... Baal was another name for like Lord or provider... And it was the children of Israel and all these other nations had gotten their eyes off God as their provider and got it on Baal as their provider, their source. 
Why do you think that God chose through Elijah to shut up the heavens so it wouldn't rain? Because he was trying to show the nation of Israel, Baal is not your provider. As soon as I dry up the waters, everything's going to die. You see what I'm saying? Because God could have done a lot of things, but he chose to, to cause the rain to stop. There was a message in it. Another thing to be careful about is spoken curses. Sometimes people are their own worst enemy. I hear some people joking around all the time and they joke and they say all this stuff. But listen, curses are powerful. Curses bind people. The power of life and death is in your tongue. I talked about this last week and the week before about people that the gossip and the slander and the lo har and they're, they're speaking that stuff out and it's curses. I'm not going to get back into that so much, but I want to say this. You need to be really careful what you're saying over yourself. You'll hear people say foolish things. I heard somebody just the other day talking about, oh, they'll probably, they said it about themselves, they'll probably have a heart attack by 30. And I was thinking, man, you know, I can't get into, I'm at a restaurant, I can't get into a big dissertation with somebody I don't even know is a Christian or not about whether or not, you know, you need to quit saying. But I'm sitting there just kind of grieved and I pray for him when I left. Listen, people curse themselves. They speak things over themselves and they speak things over other people and it goes out of their mouth. When you open your mouth to speak, you guys know what I'm talking about when you were a kid and you had those little things that you would dip in the soapy water and blow and, and the bubbles would come out. In the spirit realm, whenever you're speaking, your words are like these little packages that go out and they burst and they either release life and blessings or they release death and curses. And it's, it goes all throughout your house. Some people's house are so full of these curses that have been spoken throughout all throughout their house that there's an oppressive atmosphere in their house. Even previous owners spoke things. You hearing me? And you can cleanse that stuff out if you'll pray about it. And people watch things and are letting stuff be communicated out of the television and out of movies into their house. It affects the atmosphere. Be careful what you're saying over yourself and what you're saying over others. You need to start speaking life and not death. You need to speak blessings and not curses. And you need to speak faith, not fear. Some people are always speaking doubt, fear, and unbelief. It's difficult to be around those type of people when you're trying to believe God. Because you're trying to believe God for things and they're just over here with all this negativity. God is not a negative God. If you're a negative person, I pray God deliver you from that. That's not God. That's not the Holy Ghost. All right, controlling prayers. The Bible talks about control. Remember, I talked about witchcraft control. Some people try to pray their will over other people. Let me warn you that that's witchcraft. Don't ever try to exert your will over another person through your prayers. That you're trying to manipulate somebody's life through your prayers, and you're speaking it, and you're praying it to try to bend them and turn them down the path you think that they should go. That is witchcraft, pure and simple. When you pray, Jesus said, pray, Father, your kingdom come and your will be done. Pray God's will into their life, not your will. Some people think that they know what's best for everybody. And they don't. And they want to pray their will over everybody. That's witchcraft. Now, I've seen it so many times. Don't ever do that. I'm telling you, be careful. Another thing is the power of lust and hate. 
choosing my words carefully, but Jesus said that lust is like adultery. And there's a power in it. When somebody's lusting after another person, I, I'm not going to go very deep with this, but it can release something against that person sexually. Jesus said hatred is the same as murder. And when somebody truly hates another person, they really do, it can release death against that person. A spirit of murder. Are you hearing me? That's, that's something that I'm not going to defile the pulpit getting into, but that's something that witches and people will, they will use that as a power source behind what they're doing. I'll just say that and move on. So don't allow lust or hatred in your heart. It's not from God. Dark arts. These are people, I've already gone over it, but they've learned to use demons through words and rituals. Now let me give you the stings of witchcraft. Some of you, this is kind of deep, and you may want to go back and pause this as you're listening to it and, and try to write some of this down, or you may want to, uh, to go back and listen to this again. I don't know, because I'm moving fast, and I'm covering a lot of stuff that probably not too many people have heard. And so I'm going to move through this, but here's some stings of witchcraft. If you're coming under an attack of witchcraft through a Jezebel spirit or through witches that are praying against you, whatever, it's a witchcraft spirit coming against you, this right here is what you can expect. And you can see it in Elijah. Number one is discouragement. Everyone gets discouraged at times, and it can be for many different reasons. So this is not always the result of witchcraft. However, if someone becomes subject increasingly to discouragement for no apparent reason, witchcraft should be considered as a possible source. When your difficulties seem insurmountable, and you want to give up, even though matters are not really that bad, the enemy's attempt to afflict you with discouragement is meant to weaken you for the next attack. The next one being confusion. Here again, if you start losing clarity as to what you have been called to do, which of course will weaken your resolve, this confusion is meant to compound with discouragement, making you even weaker than before, so that you'll move into the next one, which is depression. See, Satan has studied humanity. Are you hearing me? Dis discouragement, then the enemy tries to bring confusion where you're, you're not clear about what you're called to do, you're not clear about life, you're confused. And that combined with severe discouragement, I'm talking demonic discouragement, where you're sitting around really depressed and discouraged and just down for no apparent reason. The enemy wants then to bring true depression. This is a deeper problem than simple discouragement because it's an unshakable dread that comes as a result of the combined effort or the combined effect, I'm sorry, of discouragement and confusion along with the general negligence of spiritual disciplines. In other words, whenever people start really dealing with depression, a lot of times now they're not praying like they should, they're not getting in the word like they should, and they're starting to, to slide back. If it's not conquered at this point, the next attack will be a loss of vision. The goal of the previous stings is to work and increase their effect. See, 
if you ever have a prophetic vision about like a wasp or a bee or something that's stinging, most likely the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you it's witchcraft because witchcraft in the Bible is a stinger. So the first sting, like a bee sting, the enemy tries to inject a poison of discouragement, then confusion, then depression, and it's building and now a loss of vision. And so now, here we begin to doubt that God has called us to the task that we are in in the first place. The only way to sail through the storm of confusion is to hold your course. If we do not know where we are going, we will, try, we will not try to hold our course. Are you hearing me? Such is a loss of vision which will lead to people drifting in circles at the time when we most need to make our paths, the paths of our feet straight. See, when people start losing their vision in life, they start floating off course. Just like if you take a boat many times, if, if somebody doesn't really tie down the boat to the dock well and it works loose, pretty soon, I mean, it just starts just floating off. And somebody that doesn't have clear direction about where they're going, that their compass is set and they're, they're moving that way, if they get out of that and they lose their vision, they get disoriented, they'll float off course. And that's what the enemy wants. If people lose their vision, the next sting will be disorientation. By this time, not only have people forgotten the course that they are supposed to be holding, but they've even lost the ability to read the compass. The scriptures will no longer speak to that person. It will be a struggle to trust the Lord's voice or receive encouragement from even the most anointed teaching and preaching. This is the point of spiritual incapacitation, the inability to function. This is the place where people are so beat down that even when they're in an anointed church service, they don't feel like that they can get much out of it. The next sting is withdrawal. When disorientation is set in, it is tempting to withdraw or retreat from the purpose in the ministry, our fellowship with the rest of the church, and often from our families and others we are close to. I mean, it's just going off in a dark room. Are you hearing me? Being off by yourself. The next one is despair. Withdrawal from the battle leads quickly to hopelessness and despair. Without hope, we can easily be taken out by the enemy, either through temptation, sickness, or death. Science has proven that when hope is removed, even the most healthy person will quickly deteriorate and die. But with hope, men and women have lived long past the point when a normal body should have quit. Despair is hopelessness. Are you seeing where this is going? And then the last sting is defeat. The enemy's purpose is to gradually weaken you. This can happen over a long period of time so that we begin to fall further and further behind. Then he can pick people off more easily like a sniper. In the Bible, the Amalekites were typically um, seen as the hordes of Satan And it was their practice, the Amalekites, to attack the weak and defenseless. As the camp of Israel crossed through the wilderness, the Amalekites 
would come in from behind and pick off the loners or the stragglers who fell behind the rest of the camp. So be careful about the stings of witchcraft. The enemy wants to beat people down. The very first thing I talked about in this, God has made us as Christians like the hull of a boat that has a point. And God has created us that we press forward through trials and the joy of the Lord is your strength. You look at some of the people, I've seen them, okay, that they go through some of the most difficult things in other countries. But you see them at church and they're praising and they're so happy. It's like they've just been beaten for the gospel. Some of them have gotten out of prison. They've got loved ones in prison. They're, they're at a threat of dying. They're going through stuff. In the net. But why, why are they so joyful and filled with the Spirit? Because they've learned how to walk in victory. Amen? But the stings of witchcraft have to do with, first off, it is discouragement. And it leads all the way down this downward spiral, down into defeat. And so when you start feeling discouraged and you start feeling confused and depressed, know that that's the enemy. And if you succumb to it and you go into it, you're giving into the enemy's plans. So we've got to press through. Amen. Alright, the next thing I want to talk about is leprosy in your house. This all has to do with the dark arts and all that. I'm tying it in. In Leviticus 14, it talked about a house having green and red streaks on the walls. It was a leprosy. And Deuteronomy 7.25, it talks about how if you own satanic objects, that you will be destroyed with them. See, what you got to understand is some of these things, some of these satanic video games or music CDs or television shows or, or Blu-rays or whatever, these things that are consecrated to the, to the demonic, they're evil. They have to do with the occult or other gods or whatever, that they act like they've got a satanic anointing on them and they act like a lightning rod that literally is drawing right out of hell and right out of the atmosphere. It's drawing demonic spirits to it like a magnet. And if you have it in your house, it's drawing them right into your house. And the enemy can saddle the airwaves and ride those airwaves, if you're not careful, right into your house through things that are listened to on the radio that are satanic. And so you know as well as I do, some of the music out there is just demonic as all get out. You know, it's, it's, it's filled with stuff, um, not only the occult, but it's filled with pornographic language and it, it's, it's filled with violence and, and murdering people. You hearing me? Things that are tolerated in the house that shouldn't be. You've got to be selective. You've got to be careful. Some things can allow demonic spirits in, and when they come, it's not easy to get them back out. Other things won't necessarily allow demonic spirits in, but it grieves the Holy Spirit. That's why you've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and let Him speak to you. So I'm going to give you some things about your house. I want you to think about it. Is it a place of life? Is it a place of health where it's easy to pray, it's easy to sleep, it's easy to read the Bible? It's a place of spiritual growth. I mean, it's just filled with the presence of God. Or is it sterile and dry and difficult? So let me ask you a few things to, to help you see the condition of your home and what needs to be in your home. Number one, 
do you tolerate disorder in the house? Let me read you Ephesians chapter 5. It says, Wives, submit to your, yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And it goes on to say, Husbands, love your wife, wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by washing her through the water of the word, and to present her to himself, a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his wife, and, um, and I'm sorry, will leave his father and mother, and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must uh, love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And then 6.1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is a commandment with a promise that it may go well for you and all, you may enjoy long life on the earth. So what you see here is there's an order by God of the husband being the head of the home, then wife submitting to that, then children obeying the parents. And we all are familiar with this. But you've got to understand that there's a lot of people out there that are not doing this. And this disorder in the home is rebellious. What you're seeing a lot of times, when children rebel, you've got to deal with this and put it in line. Okay? Parents that really love their kids are parents that discipline their kids and they're on them. And they know who they're hanging out with and they're not going to tolerate stuff that's not right. Okay? If you really don't love your kid, then you won't discipline them and you won't be involved in their life because you don't care. But also a lot of times you'll see a dominating wife that just flat refuses to submit. I've seen it. And they don't want to submit. They don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to listen to their husband. That's rebellion. Amen? And then sometimes you see a husband just not wanting to lead the family spiritually. And that's sad. So what we need is to get our homes in order. Number one, that the husband's leading in the things of God. He may need some encouragement in that area. He needs to be built up and encouraged in that area. Wives need to be submissive and honoring toward their husband. And children need to honor and obey their parents. So deal with this stuff, number one. This is a big issue with God. And don't try to fix everybody else. Let me give you some advice. Fix yourself. You know, a lot of times some would be like, oh, I need to fix my husband. I need to, you know, it's like, listen. First off, that right there ought to indicate that you need to fix yourself. Because that, that starts moving into the control business. Amen? Right there. To, to get yourself right. And then pray for the other. And God will deal with them. But get yourself. Determine in yourself, if you're a wife, that you're going to be a godly wife. That you read the Bible and, and you've determined in yourself, I don't care what anybody else does, I'm going after Jesus. And I'm going to be everything Jesus wants me to be. I love Him with all my heart. I'm going after Him. If you're going to do that, you're going to be a good wife. A husband, I don't care what anybody else does. I'm going after God. And I'm going to be everything Jesus wants me to be as a husband. Amen. This is a big one. Don't go to bed angry with unresolved issues. I don't think people realize. I don't think any of us really realize sometimes how much stuff like that tries to creep in. Amen. 
strife, the enemy attacks with strife. Why do you think sometimes people will be doing just fine and they'll be on their way to church or whatever and all of a sudden a fight breaks out? And you think about it and there's no good reason for it. You get to church, it's all, it seems like there's a breakthrough. You get to church, you leave and you start thinking back on, man, that was stupid. Why did we even, you know, what was that about? It was the enemy. And he was trying to get you so full of strife and in such a bad spirit that you get to church and you just, you know, I'm not going to enter in and you're just angry and, and you're thinking about, I was so right. I can't believe, you know, and you're sitting there in your mind just rehearsing it. I'm really, it's funny, but I'm trying to tell you an attack of the enemy. It's serious. See, what I see a lot of times is there can be a spirit of strife that's in a home. And whenever people go to bed, and they go to bed with unresolved issues, the Bible says do not go to bed angry. If you go to bed, you disobey the Bible, you go to bed and you don't deal with stuff. You've got unforgiveness in your heart. Somebody, your, your wife, your, your child, whatever. Somebody hurt you, you got hurt feelings, you're ticked. You just go to bed, I'm not going to deal with it. That's wrong. The Bible says don't do that. I'm trying to help you. When you go to sleep like that, and you go into that comatose state, you're asleep, you're, you're you know, in your subconscious or whatever rapid eye movement it's called, I guess, you're, go- you're gone. You're not alert. I can just see with my mind's eye, like this sli- sliding glass door opens in these pretty powerful spirits of strife and contention come in and they set up camp. And you get up the next morning, and it's not like things are that much better, and you're in for a fight. Because once stuff comes in, it's not always that easy to get it back out. Amen. Amen. Don't go to bed angry with unresolved issues. Even if you've got to stay up, be a peacemaker. Let me tell you something. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. Amen. Blessed are the peacemakers. So, when somebody else is, is not right... Don't throw gasoline on the fire. You all know what I'm talking about, that your close friends and your family, you know how to push their buttons. And don't act like you don't, because you do. You know, how to, you know how to push their buttons. And you, you, they know how to push your buttons. And whenever they're upset, that's not the time to kind of you know, get your dig in and make everything worse and put gas on the fire. That's not the time to do that. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. So whenever they're going off, there needs to be a soft answer that turns away wrath and that you try to join hands and pray and turn it. Are you hearing me? This is serious because this is stuff. I don't think, listen, I, I feel led to pray right now about this because I don't think people really realize that there are, you, you listening to, there are generational curses on families where they cannot get along. They cannot sit around a dinner table and talk without fighting. They can't have a, you know, grill a hot dog on the backyard without somebody, you know, saying some smart remark and they get into a fight. It's a curse. There's people that there's family alienation. They haven't talked to each other for years. And it's a, it's a curse on families of strife and division and discord. And it's serious. And so I want everybody to pray this with me out loud in Jesus' name. Ready? I ask forgiveness. In my life, in my ancestors, for all the strife, the contention, the pride of being right, stubbornness, going to bed angry, different forms of fighting, and yelling, family alienation, 
divorce, divorce. broken relationships. I repent. I put this under the blood. I break every curse, every yoke, every work of Satan, every generational curse off my life. I will not have these things. Every spirit of Satan's kingdom that's been causing these things go right now from me and my family in my house and never come back. And I ask you, Father, send your angels to drive it out. I repent in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, I pray for those right now. Y'all just pray in the Spirit. I pray for those right now within the sound of my voice. I break these powerful curses of strife, these family curses that have been there that has to do with family alienation. It has to do with divorce. It has to do with torn up relationships. I break it right now off every life in Jesus' name. And I command those spirits, I bind you. You're going to go right now from their life and never return in Jesus' name. You're going to get out of people's homes. If people are listening to this in their home, I want you to agree with me. Everything that's in that house right now, I break it and I bind its power. It's going to leave. And Lord, I pray with the person listening to this about their house, we ask forgiveness what's been in that house. Lord, we ask forgiveness vicariously. Lord, of any strife, of all the fighting, Lord, if there's been any, any sexual sins, if there's been any perversions, if there's been the occult, if there's been broken vows, there's been hurt feelings, there's been the occult, whatever it is, idolatry, Lord, we ask you to wash these homes within the sound of my voice. And those listening, agree with me, washed in the blood of the Lamb right now. We set them apart as holy. And anything on that property, not of God, is going to go right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we bless those homes. And I pray that from this place, that the atmosphere of heaven begin to invade those homes right now and fill them with the peace of God and the glory of God, and there be a shift right now. We thank you, Lord, for it. And I thank you, even right now as I pray, angels are being dispatched to dismantle and drive these things out of people's lives. And I want to speak a blessing right now that over your life, that there's a blessing over you from this day forward, a generational blessing of unity and peace in your life and your family. And I speak over you no more divided relationships, no more discord, no more betrayals, no more torn up families. I bless you in Jesus' name. Unity, harmony, and peace will fill your life in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for that shifting right now. Do you tolerate dishonesty in your home? Listen, let me give you some things about raising kids. I have to use Brianna. I'm sorry, hon. Anyway, that's, you know, who else am I going to use? But whenever Brianna was growing up, um, if there was ever a time, you know, and my parents had to discipline me too, okay, so just using that. But any time that there had to be discipline, it's one thing to do something, but if I was lied to, here's the way I would do it. There was two weeks grounding or whatever the offense, okay, one week, two weeks, whatever. Whatever the offense was, that was the punishment. But if I, if I was lied to about it, it doubled. And I made sure they knew it. I said, look, you know, there's two weeks for this, but you lied, so there's two more for lying. This is good advice. Because it didn't take long that dishonesty left. And honesty became the precedent. <laughs> Amen. Remember that. I'm telling you. Those of you that are going to be raising kids, those that are raising kids, do not tolerate dishonesty. As soon as they learn how to talk, if they're lying to you, Deal with it. 
because if you don't, the Bible says in Revelation 21.8, all liars will have their place in the lake of fire. You First off, you don't want them in hell. But secondly, nobody likes liars, and when they get older, if they're liars and manipulators, then they're going to have a hard time. They're going to have a hard time keeping friends, and they're going to have a hard time keeping a job. Because I don't know any manager that likes to be lied to. And if I was a manager and there was somebody that always lied to me, I'd fire him. Just saying. So deal with it. And it grieves the Holy Spirit. Do not tolerate dishonesty. Do you speak death and curses in your home? I've already dealt with that. But do you... Listen, it is so important that... You know, when Sandy and I go to bed at night, we've been doing this now this year. I heard somebody else suggest this, so I've been doing this. It's powerful. But we've been blessing each other. So we lay down and I say, All right, honey, you go first. She always blesses me first. And she speaks a blessing over me. Then I speak a blessing over her. But there's power in it. And I've noticed that after we started doing that, we talked about it, it seemed like the atmosphere changed in our house. But it's important that you're speaking blessings over your kids. That is huge important. And I gave you, in your notes, I gave you a father's blessing and I gave you something about cleansing your house. I'm going to talk about it real quick. Please don't read it. Just know it's there and it's going home with you. But it's so powerful I'm going to tell you a quick story. There was a young man that came up to Pastor Kilpatrick and told him about he had listened to a sermon series on um, the mystery and power of a blessing. And he was telling the story about, he went up to Pastor Kilpatrick and was, I'm going to tell you my testimony, you know. He said, I went to see my dad. His dad was a heathen. As soon as the dad opened the door, he just went off on a tangent on him. Oh, you're just here for money and just real negative. And the kid just sat there, kind of took the abuse for a minute and said, No, Dad, I, I just wanted to talk to you for a second. I don't want anything from you like that. He said, I just want to talk to you. And he told his dad, his dad's a total heathen, not a Christian. He told his dad, he said, Listen, Dad, he said, I, uh, I just been listening to my pastor talk about blessings. And he said, all, The only reason I'm here, I don't want any money from you or any favors or anything. He said, I just simply wanted you just to speak a blessing over me, and that's it. He said, All you have to do is just put your hands on me and just speak positive things over me. That's it. And the dad was agreeing to it, but it was weird to him. So the son said, listen, I'll go in this room here. I'll sit in the chair. I'll face the wall. Just whenever you're ready, you can come in and speak it over me. The son said it seemed like forever. He said it was so quiet and awkward there that whenever the dad opened the mouth, he said he could hear his lips part. That's how quiet and awkward, awkward silence. And uh, he said, though, his dad put his hands on his shoulders, and he said for the first time in his life ever, he felt his dad touch him, and it wasn't abusive. And his dad began to speak over him, and he, he was telling Pastor Kilpatrick, he said, man, he said, I would have thought that he was a Pentecostal preacher. He said the Holy Spirit hit him. He started speaking real loud and yelling and speaking over me all these blessings. And he said while he was speaking all this positive stuff, he said he felt a tear hit the back of his neck and rolled down. And his dad was blessing him. And he said it was like he felt like somebody was massaging his insides. And he said, you know what? He said, after that, he was telling pastor, he said, you know what, after that? He said, all of a sudden, I started having more self-confidence. He said, I lost weight. He said, I, I just feel better. He said, I used to have been a person I would have never come up to somebody like you, like an authority figure, like a pastor to talk to you. I would have never done this. But he said, I just, I feel more confident. I, I feel different. Something's different in me. There's a power in blessings. I'm not talking about prophesying. and I'm not even talking about praying right now. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about invoking a blessing. 
There's an awesome power in speaking over your kids. I bless you in Jesus' name. You're going to be successful in life. You're going to have a healthy life. You're not going to be sick. You're not going to be weak. You're going to do good in school. You're going to be intelligent. You're going to learn well. I bless you. I bless you. You're going to have good jobs when you get older. You're going to make good money. You're going to have a blessed, fruitful life. You're going to serve the Lord. You're going to love God. You're going to love the things of God. You're going to love reading the Bible. You're going to love praying. I bless you. And you're putting that on them. When you speak blessings, it's releasing something into their life that has creative power of life. The Bible says life and death is in the tongue. It has creative power of life that will turn their life the way that you're blessing it to go. And somebody that's blessed will always have the advantage. They'll always be the head, not the tail. Every time there's an opportunity, it, it's like it'll land on them to be promoted. Do you hear me? There's a power. There's a power in blessing your house. And I'm going to tell you, there's been times whenever I've had to pray. You, you, when you're in a ministry, you, you get in all kinds of situations with all kinds of people. Okay, It's an interesting life, to say the least. And so I've been in a lot of places around a lot of things. But I'm going to tell you this. I've been around places that needed to be cleansed. When you went there, there's churches like this, but I'm not going to go there right now. But when you go in, you can just feel it's sterile. You just feel it's dead. There's a death there. There's a sterility there. Whether that place has had the occult in it before, whether there's been a lot of fighting there, whether there's been sexual sins there or a murder there, who knows. But for some reason, it's spiritually sterile. You can feel it. And I've been in houses like that. And people want me to pray. And I'm just going to tell you from my experience, I gave you a sheet with your notes of things that you can speak over your house. Again, please don't read it right now. It's there. But whenever I've gone to these houses, this is when I had a breakthrough when God showed me this. The Lord showed me about the power of the blood. And I would go in there and I would take communion. Yes, Sandy. Take communion and then I would take the juice and I would usually go outside and dump it out on the ground. And as soon as that hit the ground and applied the blood over that property, the power of that thing broke. And you take that, you can, you know, take that and maybe go over the doorpost to your house or whatever. You remember the children of Israel put the blood over the doorpost of their home. Now, however you want to do it, I don't think that there's an exact formula. I think you're just led by the Spirit. But I'm telling you, the power of taking the Lord's Supper in your house, there's a power. It's the bread of presence, the blood, and there's power in it. And applying the blood to your house will break the power of the demonic. See, the blood of Jesus is so powerful. There was a woman by the name of Doreen Irvine that wrote an extremely interesting book called something like Deliver from Witchcraft. I can't remember the exact name. But she was involved in Satanism. She was involved in Satanism in England and came to know Jesus. And she went to church. And this is the typical thing that would happen. She went to church and while she was on her way out, she tried to tell the priest or whatever. She said, man, I just got saved, came out of Satanism. And she was telling him her past. She said the blood ran out of his face. He shook her hand, said, nice to meet you, and patted her on her way. He was scared, you know. And that's what happens a lot of times. She wanted help. She was telling him, man, there's a torment. There's something still going on. She hadn't been delivered. And so now the things that used to be her friends that she would use, now those things were her enemy. You hear me? All right, so she was desperate. And she said every time that they would bring communion out and that 
that blood, you know, it's, I know it's juice, okay, the wine, whatever. Every time that would get near her, she would go unconscious and hit the floor and convulse and manifest demons. Why? Because they're terrified of the blood. You hear me? The blood. Jesus' blood is what makes you holy and what drives out the enemy. And every devil in hell is afraid of his blood. Remember that. It's the blood. It's the blood that will make a house holy. And it's the blood when you take communion. Really think about how awesome powerful that really is. That that is in your body. And floating around in your bloodstream. So whenever you want. I strongly advise people to cleanse their house. Man, there's no telling what was there before you anyway. I pray over hotel rooms. Some are, some are worse than others, but I've been in some where it's like, man, what in the world was here before I got here? Oh, man. And I go through there and pray. I'm not going to go to sleep in it. You hear me? I'm not going to go to sleep in that atmosphere. You just clean, cleanse it out, the blood. But you can go through and take some anointing oil and anoint, and I gave you that sheet. You can anoint different rooms, speak blessings. When you speak blessings over your house, it is a powerful thing. I'm talking about shifting the atmosphere in your house right now. So here's some things. Do you allow illegal drugs, alcohol, tobacco, or things that bring bondage in your house? Do you have any satanic materials like idols, occult materials, Catholic paraphernalia, Freemasonry paraphernalia, witchcraft materials? Materials connected to other gods or other religions. If you do, you need to destroy it by fire. Things that are pornographic, destroy it. Burn it. Get, get rid of it. But listen, don't just put it out there for somebody else to get. Destroy it. Tear it up. I remember Dad found, didn't even know it was there, found a, a Freemasonic ring. Didn't even know it was there. But instead of going to a pawn shop and giving it to somebody else, he took it and destroyed it. I mean destroyed it, mangled it, and then threw it out in the woods somewhere. Nobody would find it. Destroy it. Annihilate it. Okay? And then get it off your property. Don't destroy it and leave it on your property. Destroy it and get it off your property. In the Bible, they burn things with fire, Old Testament and New. Acts chapter 19. Paul started a bonfire. And he had all the witches that got saved bring their stuff and burn it publicly. That's what he did. So burn it, destroy it. And some of you that are evangelists, so you're getting people saved. I know Reinhard Bonnke has these big metal tubs at his crusades. And they'll, they'll bring all their witchcraft stuff put in there and he'll burn it. They light fires all through there burning all that filth. Amen? Burn it, destroy it, get rid of it, get it off your property. Do you allow demonic music, movies that are evil and ungodly or pornography? Make sure and get it out of your life. Things like slasher movies can release a spirit of fear or a spirit of murder in a house. I remember a grown man one time, and he was a big old guy, was sitting there talking to me. And he got, as, he got as scared. He was talking about watching Blair Witch or something. He got as scared when he was telling me this like a little girl. I'm serious. It was sad because he was terrified. He was like, man, that movie just freaked me. Listen, when he was watching that, there was a spirit of fear came on him. Are you hearing me? And Father, I just pray that any of that stuff that's coming to people's lives, as they destroy it and they get it out of their lives, I break the power of that. I break curses. It's going to leave. Everything's going to leave their life. And when you do that, when you destroy that stuff and you get it out, you lift up your voice and you command the enemy, whatever's been here because of that, out. 
in Jesus' name out and kick it out. All right. Is there prejudice in your life or your home? Do you allow gossip, backbinding, and slander in your house? That is a good way to have spirits. Do you allow gossip, backbinding, or slander in your house? If you invite some people over and that's what they do, you feel like you've been vomited on, they leave, the house feels dirty, good advice right here. Don't have them back. And pray over your house that it be cleansed and that stuff out. Listen, I'm giving some good advice tonight. Amen. All right. 2 Timothy 3.5 Some people have a form of godliness but deny its power, have nothing to do with them. I want Book of Acts Christianity. I want the power of God. Listen, all this garbage, here it is. Here we go. Human tricks and talents that are substitutes for the miraculous. I'm tired of seeing human tricks and human talents that are a substitute for the anointing. I'm tired of seeing charismatic personalities. Man, they can whip up a crowd into a frenzy. They have the charismatic personality and get everybody swayed. But there's no anointing. I'm tired of seeing psychology and counseling replacing Holy Spirit discernment. I'm tired of seeing man-made programs replace revival. I'm tired of seeing carnal reasoning becomes a substitute for the Holy Spirit and His leading. People run church, they run ministries like a secular business, and they become just a referral service. <coughs> Apostles and prophets have been substituted for administrators. What you're finding in a lot of churches now is you're seeing that there's, there's a total running it like a secular business, they run their finances like a secular business. The last time I checked, this thing was to be led by the Spirit of God. It was a life of faith. And you can't have faith and you can't have secular business tactics at the same time. It's not going to work. When you step out in faith and the Lord leads you and you do stuff in faith, it's always going to seem stupid to the natural man. Amen. I'm tired of seeing pathetic theology lacking Holy Spirit inspiration. And they have substituted for true Holy Spirit revelation. In other words, people are like, healing's not for today. Or Christians cannot, there's no need for deliverance in Christians. They make all these ridiculous, stupid pet doctrines that are keeping God's people in bondage. It's wrong. And I don't want to stand one day in front of Jesus, and Jesus have an angry look on his face, and he, he does like this and shows me my life. And I see all the people that were kept in bondage. Some of them may be in hell because of my stupid pet doctrines. I wouldn't let go of. Well, that was good. The message of the cross has been substituted and watered down. Amen? Motivational speeches have replaced God's word being preached with power. Rigid laws and norms and regulations have replaced Holy Spirit conviction. You know why a lot of places are as worldly as they are? And you've got all these Christians that drink and they cuss and they live like they do. You know why? Because there's not the awesome power of the Holy Spirit there. You know, because Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict of sin. When the Holy Spirit moves in, He starts dealing with stuff 
the preacher doesn't even have to even preach on because the Holy Spirit will so convict people. The Holy Spirit is the one that the Bible talks about the sanctifying work of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who, who leads people in the truth. He convicts them. He changes them. And whenever you don't want the Holy Spirit around, you don't want tongues. You don't want people falling down. You don't want to lose your status in the community. The people are going to think you're nutty because you have all this crazy stuff going on in your church. And all of a sudden, your ego has become your greatest enemy. Your ego is up here. And all you're concerned about is your status in the community. We want a lot of money. We want a lot of bottoms in the seat. And we want to be able to go into all these different events in our community and look at with dignity and look at me. I'm so-and-so. And the thing is, because of people's ego, they won't let the Holy Spirit move. And therefore, the people are sitting in the pew week in and week out. And some of them aren't even saved. Do you understand that you can't just flip salvation on and off like a light switch? Do you understand that? That the Bible says that unless the Holy Spirit draws somebody, they cannot come unto the Lord. They can't, the Holy Spirit has to draw them. And I think people have so watered down the born-again experience. The born-again experience is supernatural. It's not some just little flippant prayer. You go up to somebody and go, hey, you want to go to heaven one day? Here we go. Just repeat this little flippant prayer. Half-heartedly, yeah, that's it. Now you're good. No, that's not a born-again experience. You can't just turn this thing on and off at your will. Now, some of these whole mainline denominations believe that. They believe that you can just flip it on and off. And it's just some little flippant things, just some little prayer. No, a true conversion, truly being born again, is something that the Spirit of God draws somebody and supernaturally reveals to them who Christ really is. And when they accept Jesus, there's a supernatural born-again experience where they are a new creation. Old things pass away. Everything becomes new. Now the seed of God lives in them. They can all, no longer be like they were before because they are different. None of that can really happen without the Holy Spirit. It is by grace that you're saved through faith, but the faith is a gift of God. It comes by the Spirit. Are you hear me? It comes by the Spirit. And entertainment has replaced the joy of the Lord. You know, a lot of ministries now have to depend on so much entertainment and hype and entertainment and hype because they don't have the Spirit of God moving in their lives because when the Spirit of God is there, that's enough. That's enough. When I come into God's presence and I pray in the morning and the Holy Spirit comes, that's enough. I don't need all this entertainment now. And when people come to church and the Spirit of God really comes, it's enough. We'll close with a couple quick things. Number one, destroy by fire anything satanic, pornographic, whatever. Remove it from your property. Clean house. When you become a Christian, clean house. Some of you listening to this, you may, you, this is all new to you. Go through your car. Go through your house. Go through your DVDs. Go through things. Get the stuff out that needs to go. Okay, Clean house. Go through it. It's important. It's important to Jesus. Get all the stuff out that needs to go. If there, there's ladies that you, you had some real seductive, provocative things you used to wear, out. It's gone. I'm a new creation. I'm in Jesus now. I'm not going to do that anymore. There's things that need to be cleaned out, purified out of your life. Okay. Number two, this is big if everybody can understand this. Ask forgiveness of the sins, rebellion, iniquity, idolatry, broken vows, sexual sins, debauchery, lasciviousness that's been in your life or home, just like we did earlier. 
Go through your home and your life and begin to confess before the Lord any sin there. And so when I go into some place like a nasty hotel room that feels like there's just a cloud of funk, okay, and I go in there and it's like something's off. What I do is I go through there and I start praying, Lord, I don't know what was here before me, but I'm going to say right now, I'm, I'm asked forgiveness for any sin, transgression, iniquity. If there's been any sexual sins, there's been witchcraft, whatever, I ask you to wash this place in the blood. It's holy. I set it apart, cleanse it. And when I pray that way, you can automatically feel it's lifted. You see, the thing is, when you're a spirit-filled Christian and you come in there and you start praying like that, the demons, I can just see them go, oh, and they take off running. You can take communion, anoint it with oil, and speak a blessing. The next thing you do after you get the sin forgiven, the next thing you do is break any curses or works of the enemy. You have authority. You lift up your voice and you start saying, all right, whatever's been here in this house, on this land, whatever's been in this room, I break any curse, any work of the devil. I don't care what it is. I don't care if somebody spoke something, whatever. I break it. It goes now. And then rebuke the enemy. Any satanic spirits, anything has been here, get out in Jesus' name. And sometimes when you're dealing with these things, you might have to confront a strong man first and ask God to release his angels to drive out what needs to go. And I'm going to close with this. I wanted to read this. You know, the human body, soul, and spirit is a very complex thing. It really is. And when you're really dealing in ministry, I know people try to, you know, all about psychology and counseling, all these different things. But truthfully, only God can really meet the needs of people. That's the truth. A lot of the stuff that goes on in churches is just putting a band-aid. You know, you put some neosporin, you put a band-aid on something, it feels better. But whenever you're not really dealing with the root problem, it stays infected over a long period of time. It doesn't really get healed and fixed. And the enemy comes against people's human spirit by trying to make it difficult to pray and read the Bible and to feel God's presence, it's, an, it's a heaviness. And you need to lift up your voice and rebuke that, but there, that's how the enemy attacks the human spirit. The enemy attacks the soul area, which is your intellect and your emotions, and he attacks you in that, that realm of your memory, your imagination, your thought life, and your, your emotions. That's a big battleground because the enemy tries to put thoughts in your head you shouldn't be thinking. He tries to put, tries to manipulate people's emotions to make them angry, to make them depressed, to make them happy one minute, sad the next, and just real moody. That's the enemy. The enemy tries to attack people by bringing up bad past memories. And when you imagine your future, he tries to, to make you see it in a fearful light and cause fear about your future. He attacks your soul area. And when the enemy comes against the human body, he tries to bring fatigue and health problems. Now, people's been through some stuff in life. And I'm all about deliverance and inner healing, but I want to talk to you real quick about, I'm going to close with this, I'm going to give you about two or three stories. But sometimes people experience destructive problems in their relationships with other people. Sometimes people experience destructive problems in their relationships with other people. Unexplained emotions 
and actions arise out of nowhere to sabotage relationships, courtship, and even marriage, often the cause is some traumatic past experience that led to a negative agreement. See, the enemy is all about lies. And a lot of times when bad things happen in life, the enemy also puts a lie, and most people believe those lies, and they accept it as truth, and the enemy is able to start creating strongholds. Now I'm going to give you a couple stories. I'm going to go through some of these, not just this service, but others. I'm going to read you some things and shed some light here. But when you're dealing with inner healing, it's complex. It's deep. But the Holy Spirit can do it. He knows how. And let me show you one story. Jan, this is a story. Jan came into my office with a boy she introduces, her boyfriend Herman. He was a nice looking young man and they made a perfect couple. Jan was very attractive, 21 year old, red hair, green eyes. Two weeks later she came into my office with tears in her eyes. She had just broken up with her boyfriend. And I tried to console her. Well, Jan, you're attractive. You'll find another boyfriend. But she said, that's not really the problem. This is the seventh boyfriend I've had in the last two years. Wow, Jan, that's, that's really fast. And she said, but you don't understand. Every time a boy tells me that he's falling in love with me or I sense that he is, I, all of a sudden, I can't stand him anymore. I actually feel like I hate him and I don't want to be around him. And when Herman told her, that he was falling in love with her, she yelled out, who told you to fall in love with me and hung up the phone? And Jan said, I'm sorry, the pastor said, I want you to close your eyes and pray with me. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for your love and your faithfulness. I ask you, Lord, to help me recall the incident and bring into my memory anything that has happened in my past that would cause me to reject the love of others. Holy Spirit, come help me. At this point, I tried to help Jan recall the incident by asking a few questions. When doing this, try to be direct and authoritative. I'm going to skip to it. So he was asking Jan, and Jan started saying this. She said, as I prayed, the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me. In my bedroom, it was dark. My sister was there. I was about nine years old. My sister was about seven. I'm sitting on my bed talking to my sister. And all of a sudden, I said to my sister... I hate you if a robber came into this house and said he would let everyone go, but he had to kill somebody, I would tell him to kill you. And she said, I hate you and I wish you were dead. And then Jan paused and she was upset. And she said, my sister died three months later because she had leukemia. My parents never told me. All I knew was that they had given her everything and had given me nothing and kind of ignored me. The parents didn't tell the nine-year-old about the leukemia. They didn't think she would understand. And so from her point of view, her sister was getting all this attention. She was not getting any. And she said, I didn't even find out until I was about 14 years old. And so she, as she closed her eyes, the pastor asked her, what decisions did you make when she died? And she thought for a minute as she prayed, she said, I felt like I'm a murderer. I don't deserve to be loved. If anyone gets close to me, they'll find out how horrible I am. They'll learn my deep, dark secret that I killed my sister. See, this is subconscious things that she accepted as a little nine-year-old. And now, and later on in life, she can't even have a normal relationship. And Jan said, as the pastor prayed with her, she said, that's a lie now. I understand that's a lie. I didn't kill my sister. And she had to go back and reverse that lie. See, a lot of people believe lies. Amen? 
And because they, re- they believe these lies of the enemy, the enemy has a legal right to torment their life. And until they go back and repent of believing lies, there's going to be torment there. And there's things that's happened in people's past, especially when they're a kid, that's traumatic, and it's, 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 it's messed with their soul, their psychological makeup. And you know what? Sometimes it's like this. You're not even consciously doing something. You see what I'm saying? It's like deep down in your subconscious. And you're not really consciously doing something, but yet at the same time, without even realizing you're doing it, you're, you're pushing people away, and you're doing things that are counterproductive and maybe antisocial, or it's hindering your life in some way. And if you'll ask the Holy Spirit to help you, He'll help you go back and show you where you believe lies and reverse those lies. And once you reverse the lies... Tell the enemy to hit the road. Out. Out. Whatever's been tormenting my life, go. In Jesus' name. I'm going to read one more. And then I'm, I'm going to read some more of these stories throughout the series. Because I want to see people healed. Amen? Some of you that had things happen when you were little, it was traumatic. Maybe you, you had a loss. Maybe your parents went through a divorce. Or maybe, you know, um, you lost a loved one at a young age. Whatever. I want you to think about, for a second... When that traumatic thing happened, how did you feel about yourself and what lies did you start thinking? It wasn't truth. It was something you, were, you started thinking and believing and that has affected you. I want you to think about that. Let the Holy Spirit bring that back because you need to be healed from that. Now, I'm going to give, actually, I think I'm going to give a personal testimony about some things. I had, I'll read this other, another time, Okay. We'll go through it, but I'm, I'm going to give my personal testimony about some inner healing. So I, I'd been through a lot of injustices. This is a really weird thing, but see that the human psychological makeup is deep, and, and the Holy Spirit knows what you need. Amen? And so I was really seeking the Lord because early on in my ministry, there was a lot of injustices that had happened. There was a lot of people that had said things about me that just simply was not true. And whenever, it's like this, you know, in Corinthians, it actually talks about, Paul said that there should be judges within the church. He said, why, why do you take things to the courts? Why don't, can't you judge for yourself, you know? And, but when you look in the body of Christ, there's actually nothing that I know of in, in America where there's actually things in place where it's like somebody's helping to pass judgment about what's right and wrong. And so what happens a lot of times, and you have people... That, that are falsely accusing someone, and I was going through false accusations and slander, and I had no way of defending myself at all. And that's a frustrating place to be. And the very people that should have defended me, the authority figures like the pastors, were siding with them, and they were lying. And so this, this type of thing, in various forms, happened several times. And without realizing it, I had forgiven the people, but there was still something that was heavy on my heart. And the Lord showed me something in prayer one time. He helped me with this. And the Lord, all of a sudden in prayer, I had a vision of the Lord. And Jesus was sitting on a throne as a judge. And as I was praying, I felt the Lord wanted me to, before Him, He's my vindication. Okay, He wanted me to get off my chest things that needed to be said. I never was able to say. I was never allowed to say. And so, you know, as weird as this is, I'm sitting here in prayer, 
and this is really happening. I mean, the Lord's there. I mean, I'm, he's looking at me. And I'm sitting there saying, okay, I'll do this. So I started, it was like I was talking to the people in a loving way. I wasn't mean about it. I was like, but you said this, this, and this. It wasn't true. You did this. It was wrong. This happened. It shouldn't have happened. And it was like each person, it was like, I, it was like the Lord brought them back to my mind and I was getting that off my chest to them. And then at the end of it, I would say, you did do that in the past and you were wrong, but I forgive you and I let it go. And it was like one by one, God was, I was doing this. And the Lord, it was like the Lord was vindicating me because he was in agreement with what I was saying. Because he knew the truth. He knew that this stuff wasn't true. And so as I was saying, it was like the Lord was nodding like that's right. That's exactly right. That's what happened. And when I was done with all that, it was like this huge weight came off my chest. It was like a heaviness that had been there because of all the injustice. Because Satan really works in that area about liars and slanderer stuff. That's serious business because the Bible says Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And so the enemy gets in that. It, it gets nasty. And so all that came off the chest and from that point, the Lord really began a new level of healing and all that. Isn't that powerful? I've heard of people that never really felt a release until they went to the grave site of a dead father that had abused them. And they were standing there at his grave looking at his tombstone. It was just the two of them. And no, I know he's not there, but symbolically. And they would vent and they would speak all that stuff out. Not that they were trying to talk to the dead. That's what I'm talking about. Okay? I'm just talking about they would just get stuff off their chest. Okay? And they would give it. And after they said all the things they needed to say, and they said, Dad, I forgive you. And they left it there at that grave. And they went home and it was, it was left. Sometimes there needs to be closure about some things. And it's difficult because not, the other party many times is not really open to that closure and open to conversations that you can have that would bring closure. So you've got to allow the Lord Jesus to be the one who's going to help you release that. Are you hearing me? So what I want to do is I want to pray. And I want you all to stand with me. We're going to pray tonight. If you want prayer about that type of stuff, I want to pray with you. But first, I feel we need to pray about some things geographically. Just leave the recording going for a second. Y'all, if you would begin to pray in the Spirit, I want y'all's help with this. Father God, we pray for this region right now where I'm a pastor in this region. And Lord, I just ask forgiveness in this region for all the witchcraft, the manipulation. Y'all please agree with me and join with me right now. This is serious. We can, we can clean up here in a minute. I want everybody engaged, okay? But, Lord, we pray for this region. We ask forgiveness for any witchcraft. We ask forgiveness for the witchcraft that's been in the church world. We ask forgiveness right now. Vicariously, we repent in this area where there's been manipulation, there's been intimidation, there's been control. Lord, we ask forgiveness where there's been the accuser of the brethren. There's been lying. There's been manipulating. There's been all forms of control. And Lord, we repent. And I know that in the past, that ministries have been harpooned. They, they've been hit with witchcraft. And the sting of witchcraft has hit ministers. 
And Lord, we ask forgiveness in this region, ask you to wash this region, let it be cleansed. Lord, we repent. We, we ask forgiveness for it in this region. But Father, as, as a minister, as a man of God here with authority in this region, I speak out that I break the curses off this region and the yoke, the curses that have been on this region that go back to witchcraft. I break it right now in Jesus' name. And I serve notice that I bind witchcraft that's been in this region of which I pastor. And I curse that spirit of witchcraft. I bind you that things are going to come to a halt. And I command that whatever must leave this region now in the name of Jesus will depart and never come back. And Lord, that you would send your angels to take care of that right now tonight from this place. Angels that have been awaiting assignments right now are now on assignment to drive out witchcraft. And Father, I ask forgiveness in this region where there's been dead religion. There's been church politics. There's been games. There's been manipulation in church because of religion. And we ask your forgiveness, Lord, how people have, have sought to have a form of godliness but denied its power. They, they've had charisma, but they've had no anointing. They, they've had all the, the looking good externally, but they were whitewashed tombs. And behind the scenes, things were evil. And Lord, things that, that, that were corrupt. And Lord, we ask your forgiveness for all the dead religion and the corruption that's been in this region through, through religion, a Pharisee type thing. And Father, we ask you to wash it in the blood right now. And Father, over this region, I break any curse, yoke, any work of Satan off this region that has to do with the religious spirit. I break it in Jesus' name. I see that bird and I see those talons. And I bind you in the name of Jesus right now. You are cursed with a curse. And I command that as we put this under the blood of Jesus right now, that your power is broken off this region and you're no longer going to be a puppet master that's sitting up there with strings manipulating churches and ministries and God's people. Right now we snip those strings and we break the power. And Lord, I'm asking you that whatever needs to depart from this region and its power be broken to go in Jesus' name. But Lord, I'm asking you to send your angels on assignment to deal with this. And Lord, tonight that the power of witchcraft and religion is broken off this region and I bless this region that it's not going to have that anymore. And Lord, where this has been, that the blood of Jesus will come over. Lord, that the Spirit of God will brood over these areas and bring change right now. And Lord, as your angels are driving things out, Lord, we thank you for victory and a shifting in this region right now. And I feel the Spirit of the Lord saying that there's been things territorially that go back to previous apostolic administrations that have been here. There's been attacks in this region, things that have set up and they've been squatters and they've been here without true legal right because nobody's confronted them. And the Lord would say that as my people humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their land. And Lord, we thank you for shifting tonight in this area, that there be a healing. And Lord, I want to pray right now also and ask forgiveness for the way that some ministries have been mistreated in this region. There's been people that were lied about. There were broken covenants and vows. There were people that were slandered. There were people that have been falsely accused. There have been people that have been deeply hurt and wounded because of the lies of the enemy through the mouths of people. That their tongue was set on fire by hell. And Lord, we ask your forgiveness for those injustices and wash this land. And Lord, let the blood of Jesus come over and bring healing right now to this land. That those open wounds will shut. And I speak that those gates of hell 
And Lord, I pray, forgive us in this region for where there's been strife. Y'all pray with me, come on. Where there's been strife and contention in churches. Where there's been fighting. Lord, we ask your forgiveness. Wash it. Cleanse. That the blood of Jesus brings healing right now. And Lord, we speak those gates of hell to be shut right now in these regions by the blood of Jesus. Those curses and yokes and those works of Satan, those strongholds are broken in this region. And those spirits of strife, discord, I speak spirits of divorce, spirits of division in churches. Be bound now in Jesus' name throughout this land. I bind you now. And those, I command you that you're going to gather up your kingdom and depart in Jesus' name. Those have been terrorizing churches, in Jesus' name, I break your power. And those people that have allowed themselves to be used of the enemy in churches, we bind those spirits of witchcraft and religion, those divisive spirits, and command that that those mouths be shut against preachers and shut against Christians and churches, and that division is going to stop. And Lord, we've taken our authority. We've done our part. You said whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loose in heaven. And as we've taken our authority, we've, we've released it tonight. We're asking you, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you would go release the angels of the Lord on assignment that will bring breakthrough in this region and shift things right now tonight. As we wake up tomorrow, this region's a different place. Something is gone that used to be here. It was a squatter and it's not here anymore. This atmosphere is different. We speak into the atmosphere of this region will be an atmosphere of heaven and things will change in Jesus' name. I speak that a political spirit that that has been at work keeping denominations divided and releasing politics and denominations, be cursed. I bind you right now. I see you. I break your power. Be cursed. And Lord, we need to pray and ask forgiveness in this region. Forgive us, Lord, for all the politics. Things that had to do with money. Things that had wrong motives. Forgive us, Lord, for the idolatry. Wash us. But we break those curses and command those political spirits to be bound and depart. In Jesus' name, and never come back. And we thank you, Lord. Things are shifting in this region. In the mighty name of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord would say that there's been harvest fields that have been hemmed in and they've been blocked up by the enemy. But tonight, the Lord says these walls are coming down and it's going to break open. I see literally they were cement like hemmed in. But Father, we break down those walls. The Lord would say this area is supposed to have a revival for teenagers and the enemy has tried to confine that and tried to hinder that. And Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we break confinement and containment off this region. And we speak that revival is going to break out among young people and it's going to be uncontained. We break it in Jesus' mighty name. Man, I feel this tonight. So Lord, we thank you for a shift in the region. In the mighty name of Jesus. I'm going to blast this shofar. I want you guys lift up a shout with me. Can you hold this for me? Baby? Father, we thank you right now as we blast this shofar. Lord, over this region to seal this prayer tonight. It's sealed. We've confessed things before you. It's under the blood. We've destroyed the works of the enemy and we've driven the enemy back. There's freedom in the mighty name of Jesus.
those of you that need prayer tonight about anything, maybe something I said tonight, you feel like you need prayer about it, we can go ahead and clear out recordings and all that, go off air, all that. But I want to pray with people.